Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. We're going to have a look back at the Chelton game, where we're going to reflect on uh, the goings-on at the DW Stadium. A lot to talk about there, especially with the fourth official. And then we're going to look forward to what's going to be an exciting game on Tuesday, I predict. Adam's not made it this afternoon. He's otherwise engaged. So I've got Paul. Are you doing? Been fine. Afternoon, Barry. And we've got somebody making a debut with us today, the one and only Emma. How's things, Emma? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. So we was all at the game yesterday, and we'll get straight into that. Wigan Athletic 2, Chelton Athletic 1. We fell behind in the seventh minute to an header from the, the smallest man in the universe, Elliot Lee. We always seem to get unstuck with the little guys in the ball in, but... I thought we responded fantastically. We did. I think Liam said it in his post-match, didn't he? Again, that same word that's been cropping up for a few weeks, character. It was. And at, before we get into the game, wasn't it a great boost to see Keno back in the starting eleven? It was. I was excited for that when, uh, when the team was released. Nice to see him back so quickly as well. Hamstring injuries, they're not always... Dead straight, I think, and can take the time. But no, it was nice to see him come back so quickly. Well, we know with Jordan Cousins, how long hamstring injuries can take, and you know, yeah, even yeah. Massey suffered from them and missed a large chunk of games. But it was great to see him back on the pitch. We've missed him over the past few games, and he made a big difference. I thought yesterday we got a penalty. Which one? Exactly. That's what I was waiting for. Do you know? <laughs> before we get into all all the all the goals and everything, I counted four. Nailed on penalties yesterday. Three for us and one for them. And the referee on it only gave one. I don't know whether he should have been helped more by his assistants because he's given a few penalties. That guy, Tom Neal, his name. He's uh, he's given. I think he's given six so far this season. So he's not uh, afraid to point to the spot. But that first one on McGuinness, hundred percent a foul. Hundred percent. It was. I know. I've seen a bit of back and forward about whether it was actually in the box whether it should have been a free kick on the edge but to give a goal kick for that that it, I mean <laughs> there's not much you can say it, entirely the wrong decision for me entirely the wrong decision absolutely a penalty every day of the week it was and you know what made my mind up as well the fact that the left back went down like he'd been poor like when you knew down well there was nothing <laughs> wrong with him and he was looking to try and sort of make it an accidental collision but you knew no, it's only later on when I've seen the replays that it could be argued it was out of the box. It was right on the line, whether it was inside or outside, very debatable. It was nailed on a free kick. So when Lange went down, I thought, brilliant, what a dive that is. But when I see this again, when I see this again, I'm not sure it is a dive. He's been clipped, hasn't he? He's definitely been clipped and it was another penalty. Kino dispatched that penalty with aplomb, as uh, commentators like to say. He smashed it into the back of the net. No fussing about, he just put it in the back of the net. And that's what you want from your penalty takers. I must admit, before he took it, I was nervous. I thought, if this doesn't go in, you've had one not given that was a stone wall. Then you've had one and you miss it. I thought, again, going back to the word character, what will that do if you don't, if you don't score from here? Great to see Kino back on the uh, score sheet. I think that is that his 16th of the season. It is 16 in all competitions, that 15 in the league. Yeah. He's absolutely running away with it, innit? It's it, by far and away the best season he's had. But he's, he's playing like he's enjoying himself as well. I think that helps, he doesn't is. it? He is, which I think it's nice to see. It is nice to see. And it is, well, obviously, it's just been well documented how much he's struggled and where he's come from. But it, it, he looks like he's just loving what he's doing. 
And I think when he's happy and he's relaxed on the pit and he's just doing what he does best, them goals will fall for him all day. What did you make of McGuinness's performance yesterday? I know he's been, he's been criticised, but yesterday Keane was a lot closer to him than what we've had yeah. players who have just been lumping it up to McGuinness on his own yeah. up front. It was a bit different yesterday. I thought McGuinness was, for me, he was a lot better yesterday. Yeah, I thought he did better yesterday. Um, he has been criticised. There has been a few comments and, and what have you. But again, let him gel. <laughs> like, let him come in and get used to the team and, and get used to our style of play and let him get over his injury as well. Just give him chance. He's, what, three or four games in, maybe? Just let him play and, and see where he is at the end of the season. Don't write him off straight away. He was unlucky, you see, with a couple of efforts. Uh, there was one definitely on the end of Jimmy McLean's cross when he slid in, and it was it was millimetres yeah. off connecting with that one. Yeah, what yeah. a brilliant cross that was. How lucky are we yeah. to have McLean in our team? Fantastic stuff. Again, right again, and fantastic. One that looks like he's he's come in and he's really really enjoying his football again. It's it is it, it is lovely to see. It is really nice. I, I thought McLean and Lange were the two driving forces yesterday. Either of those two on the ball, they were going one direction towards goal. You know, there was there was because there was a lot of patient play elsewhere. But those two fellas straight towards the goal, straight forwards. I'll trump you though, Paul. I'm going to trump you with Curtis Tilt. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. What a game he had yesterday. <laughs> There was an occasion in the first half where he just sprinted. He sprinted past McLean, didn't he? He was like, he was like uh, Limford Christie in the 100 metres. That's showing me age. You say both. It was a man on a mission yesterday. Uh, he was absolutely dying to get that ball in the box and get on the end of one as well, if he could. I thought he was tremendous. We'll come, we'll come to performances in a minute. But talking of tilt... There was a little sort of altercation with the fourth official as well, weren't we? Weren't there? Yeah. Uh, ben Toner, who we know quite well because he's got that particular name, was the uh, fourth official yesterday. And he it, it was stopping Tilt from taking a throw in and everybody was like, what's going on here? Well, you know what? But I think I've got the solution to it. But what did you think were going on? From where I sit in the ground... I sit on the front row of the West Stand. I'm literally a couple of seats away from the bench. So I saw what was happening and it was just the most bizarre interaction. I just couldn't figure out what he was doing. Every time Tilt moved, he'd move in front of him and you could see Curtis Tilt telling him to get out of the way. And he was literally stood there going, what are you doing? Just move. Really, really, really odd. Just really strange. It was, but this is my take on it. It was following the one of the penalty appeals and Dariqua had given the Lionel over on the east side a lot of grief. And I think there'd been radio communication between the Lionel, the fourth official and the referee. And the referee was going to book Dariqua. So obviously they didn't want the throw in to take place until they cautioned him. And I think that's what he was trying to do. But why did the referee not just blow his whistle and say, hold on, let me go and book you know, I mean, it was it was very confusing. Yeah, but he did, if you if you remember before <clears throat> Tilt took the throw in, he did go and boot Dariqua. And yeah. he pointed he to the yeah. Lino. So he was like, two or three minutes wasted, though, with that. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the other, went for a little bit. The other thing that happened there that, that's, that's gone unnoticed was Dariqua slow and clapped the Lino after he'd been booked. <laughs> and I thought, no, because you're just going to get another if you carry on with that. Yeah, he, he made a point of, expressing his displeasure at the Lionel for, you know, like you say, it was the Lionel that, that caused Dariqua to get booked. And then we made a couple of substitutions. Steve Humphries came on, 
Keane went off. But, I mean, he's another out of soul player, isn't he? Humphreys, and what a goal that was. I mean, you might say, what do you mean, what a goal? He just tapped it in. But he was making sure his foot was on the end of that ball. And when you watch it again, his reactions were dead quick. But not only that, I mean, people were saying, will will the real Stevie Humphreys please stand up with his new work up? Some some players you you'll get intelligent running, and when there's nothing there, you know when when they're chasing a lost cause, they don't chase it. Stevie Humphreys would he chase any chase the milkman, wouldn't he? Because it's there to be chased. Anything he, he'll chase any lost cause down. He's one of one of those hundred percent players. It was exactly as when we had Jack Watmore on. He said, you know, me at the back stick, edit back in for somebody to put it away. And and that was exactly it. And I, if I'd have watched which and Max Power was holding in the air when he when he took yeah. the corner, I'll know to watch for it next time. I thought they had a good call for a penalty as well when Tilty ripped the striker's shirt. But McGuinness, when uh, I think it was late in the game when the when the ball was coming over, and he was going to edit, and the Charlton defender, big brute at the back, shoved him two handed it and pushed him pushed him out the way of the ball. And that was another nailed-on penalty for me, which we didn't get. Yeah, absolutely. If he hadn't if he hadn't touched him, there was no way McGuinness was missing that, was there? From there, three at the back. It's it's a formation that was often switched to during games, but we started just today. How do you think it went? Personally, I thought it was good. I think it took us 15, 20 minutes to settle into it, but once we did, I thought we looked good with that formation. The settling in is exactly what you're saying, and I think power was. Not where you kind of expect him to play at right back, but he's not at right back at that point. I think that was part responsible for their goal with players chopping and changing. But once they settled down and they knew who was where, I think, it, like you say, it, it worked quite well. Yeah, and it gave Tilted that freedom to to bust forward as well, which yeah. I think we all enjoyed watching yesterday. Performances standouts for me. I, I'll just uh, read them out. I put Tilt, who was Dan Burn esque. If we remember how Dan Byrne used to play, I thought he, he was very much like Dan Byrne. McLean, Naylor, Lang, the usual suspects. I thought our, our big players played well yesterday. I have to mention as well, though, Jack Watmore yesterday, for me, didn't put a foot wrong. And I actually think he's been a little bit shaky for a couple of games. He's, he's looked a little bit nervous here and there, but yesterday, I think he got it bang on. Just everything. Didn't put a foot wrong, but yeah. Callum Wang, what a boy he is. He is immense. And for someone still so young as well, absolutely cannot underestimate how important he is in this squad. No, I think he's one of our, our big players when we get promoted, because we're going up, we know this. When when we get promoted, and this, they look at, we'll have to bring quality in, but we don't need to bring quality in in that position because Lang is there with it now. He's at least championship level for me. He's brilliant. Yeah. Talking of good performances, man of the match, uh, as voted for by the Progress with Unity listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. It was almost a two-horse race between Tom Naylor again, who's regularly getting seven and a half, eight out of ten, and the, the, the guy who won it, who we've spoken about quite a bit so far, Curtis Tilt. So Curtis Tilt, the man of the match from the Progress with Unity podcast listeners. So congratulations, Tilty or Kilty. However, whether you're drunk or not, I suppose that depends how you pronounce his name. So, a great performance. Is uh, that another another new name on the man of the match list? Has he been on there before? I know we've got a lot of variety, haven't we? I think he's, it's his second one, this. The statistics from the game, 55% possession, 
With eight shots, three on target, they had six and one. Foles, we've committed nine. Chelsea, 18. We had the one yellow card, 10 dives are equal, and they picked up two. And an attendance of 9,657. I've not got the away figure, but I reckon around about six, six to 700. It's been a big game today, uh, South Yorkshire Derby. Sheffield Wednesday versus Rotherham. And it's ended up with Rotherham winning 2-0 uh, after being goalless at half-time. And I think it's fair to say Sheffield Wednesday were the better team in the first half, football-wise. But they're something of a machine, aren't they, Rotherham? They are. They're, they're uh, quite formidable this season, aren't they? I watched the game. First half, it was, it was Wednesday. All Wednesday. They just were the better team. Rotherham didn't look like they were getting into it. And to be honest... I thought it had draw written all over it, but no, they've Rotherham have come out second half and they've they've come out fighting. Yeah, they've they've managed to get two goals and and they've took all three points, which obviously extends the gap between us and them. So I think they're what are they now nine points clear of us, but we've still got those three games in hand on them. So if we're looking at an automatic promotion play, then keeping the gap between us and them below us is important but I still think we're capable of winning this league I really do I, th- I think what you've got to look at is the teams that we've got the games in hand against so the first one's on Tuesday which is Crew Alexander and then the bottom four we've got Accrington Stanley who you know we, we always do well against Accrington and the other one is Portsmouth which is a bit of a dicey one Portsmouth away so I, I think we're capable of picking a minimum of six points up and if we can uh, I, I, do you know I, I, t- to be honest I'm not really fussed if we go up as champions or not I know it puts like the icing on the cake but as long as we go up that's all I'm bothered about and I think we'll go up in second if I'm being honest we've got a lot of games and a very strong side big lads rather than all big units physical you know, direct I mean, anyway. you look at their form, their form cannot get any better, can it? So it's going to get worse. We're picking up again, and as soon as they drop points, that's us in a position to overtake them. Don't write us off just yet. Well, I'm not writing us off, Paul. I, I'm not at all. It's, it's just that I don't care. I'm not bothered about that tin pot at the end. Yeah, I just want to go up. And I'd like I'd like to see Wickham come up with us as well, or maybe Oxford. One of the less fancied teams, you know. And, and leave the big boys, who they all think they are, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, Bolton. I mean, they're coming up on the rails, aren't they? They think they're going to finish second, but <laughs> nah, nah, dream yeah, on, lads. It's bizarre. Yeah. That's just an odd opinion to me. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. Talking of Sunderland, they've appointed a fantastic manager, Alec Neil. He is a good manager. There's no going away from that. So they, they dropped lucky there. And the Sunderland ticket initiative that the Lassies have put to get the fans there. And we've got till Wednesday to claim your, your two free tickets for season ticket holders. So get on there. Because ES2, ES3, ES4, ES5 and ES6 have all gone. And I think W7 and W6 as well, I think they've all gone. The, the, the West Stand over that side where the oppositions are. So it's it's if you want to claim your free tickets, it's very important you get it done before before Wednesday because uh, there'll be none left. And let's get some fans in that South Stand as well, get that filled up and make some noise for that game. Right, we're moving on. We've got crew at home on Tuesday. They lost yesterday to Accrington Stanley 4-1. And I've been talking to Stuart Price from the Railwaymen podcast this morning. Let's have a listen to what Stuart said. So over to Stuart. 
So I'm Stuart from the Railway Men podcast. It's been a disaster of a season. I've been going since mid-early 1990s. I don't remember too many that have been as bad as this. You know, I've seen relegations before, but it's just going into the games, knowing that we're not going to win. Yesterday, we went to Accrington Stanley. You expect crew to go to Accrington Stanley and not know that you're going to lose. It's not like we're going to the stadium of the light, the stadium of light or Portman Road or the Valley. You know, this isn't a stadium that should put fear into crew players. At the minute, there just isn't any realisation that we're going to win. The defenders can't defend, strikers can't score. And I think, crucially, the thing that is going wrong is our goalkeepers. They're so bereft of confidence and they're not the most talented of players anyway. The fans have turned on the goalkeeping coach, which I don't think I've ever seen in any football. You know, he is getting a lot of abuse online and at games. I've never seen a goalkeeping coach being singled out before until this season. Uh, I'm never going to stand on the roof banging a drum saying, I'll tell out. That's that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. Uh, We've just finished recording our podcast where we have made the argument or the people on there today have made the argument that even if he is sacked, and I think we are approaching the point now where that is going to have to be something the board is seriously considering if they're not already. The things that he did for crew as a player he captained us to a playoff final win as a manager. He promoted us as manager. You know, the only person in Crew's history to do both of those things. He needs to go with some dignity and some respect for what it is that he's achieved at the club. But at the same time, there is a realisation that this season has gone horribly, horribly wrong. The majority of the Crew fans are now more Artel out than Artel in. But with that comes... Well, who's next? You know, with crew, it is normally when we do replace a manager, someone else from the club, someone else who understands the methods and the ideology behind the club that we have with the academy, the money that we pour into that every season with the results that we do, the mixed results. There probably isn't anyone in the club who's going to come in and do a better job. So if we do get rid of him, it's probable that we'll look at someone from outside, possible maybe. And who would that be? So there's lots of questions to answer for me to sort of flip-flop around and not give you an answer to your actual question is, is he going to get sacked? Do I think he's going to get sacked? I don't know. I can see both sides of the argument now. I'm not I'm not Artel in, but I'm also not Artel out. I, I, I'm neither rather than both, I think, at the moment. We, we've signed some players. I don't know whether that means it's a good transfer window. They've come in and played three games and lost all three, but they've looked all right. Uh, we signed a guy on low... Well, we signed two guys on loan, Rakeem Harper, centre mid from Ipswich, who a few years ago, was it four years ago, he was getting linked when he was at West Brom to Liverpool, Spurs and Juventus. And he's now at Ipswich on loan at Crewe. So something's gone wrong there. We've got a lad on loan from Arsenal, a right back, Ryan Adebusu. He's been on the bench for the first team at Arsenal this season, but he didn't get on. Again, looks okay. The one I think I'm most excited about is a guy we signed, Uwakwe, who was at Chelsea, his Contract was running out and instead of signing a new deal at Chelsea, he's chosen to come and sign an 18-month deal at Crew. He's left wing back, but he can play centre mid. He's been left wing back, left back, the games he's played. He looks very good on the ball. It's, It's difficult to see what he can do because he's playing in such a poor team with confidence at rock bottom that he hasn't really done anything that's achieved anything yet. And then we signed a couple of guys um, up front as well. Aggie, who came in from Oxford, he scored his first goal yesterday. It wasn't anything 
of any note. You know, the Accrington player passed it back to the goalkeeper who missed the ball and he tapped it in into an open goal. Um, so fine. And then a guy, Sambu, Basala Sambu, who came through Everton's Youth Academy, but was playing at Fortuna Sittard in the Netherlands and he's come back to England. We've signed players, but they haven't really done anything to improve what's going on. You know, we haven't won in seven games now. We've lost our last five Whilst they look like they're good players, it's difficult to be enthusiastic about them because the results haven't changed. Uh, I really think it's that bad that I don't think there is a player this season. Uh, if you want me to name a player who's a good player, is Tommy Lowry, who we spoke about last time I came on, who is out of contract. And this will be the last time you will see him in a crew shirt. If he plays, he missed yesterday's game, Saturday's game, because he was ill. Uh, so he might not have recovered. He is by far the best player we have, but he won't be here much longer. Player of the season, I'm, I'm baffled as an answer. I really am. There is, there's, there's been no one. I think the top two are probably going to finish the top two, Rotherham and Wigan. Um, I think that's probably how it is. Playoffs, I don't know. It, there's a lot of teams that are sort of in and around it. I would suggest probably Wickham with their know-how will be the one that goes up in the playoffs. But yeah, the top two, I don't look past the two that are in there now, yourselves and Rotherham. Uh, which way around that is, I don't know. It's not for me to say. I'm sure the people listening to this have got an opinion on that. But um, yeah, it'll be one of the two. I think we've been down since about October. I think Doncaster have also been down since about that time. Gillingham have turned it around. I don't know whether they've left it a bit late with Neil Harris coming in. But there's always one that comes, you know, that comes good at the end of the season and just about does enough. I don't know whether they will. Uh, and then Morecambe. Morecambe beat us at home earlier in the season. And then we went to their place and beat them. And I think there's a possibility the size of their squad uh, has maybe been found out as this season's got on and on. So probably Morecambe. And if Gillingham do get out of it, I know Wimbledon are on a horrible run at the minute. So <laughs> I've not really given you any shocks there. I've talked about the bottom five uh, and I said the top two will stay the top two. But I think we're at the stage now where the league table is starting to not lie. You know, the, the teams are in the positions they deserve to be in at, you know, at this stage. I mean, we've lost 4-1 on Saturday. We lost 4-1 on Tuesday. 4-1, I, mean, I don't know, that might be overselling the ability to score. Yeah, let's go 4-1. Sorry if that was a bit negative. It doesn't sound very positive about Tuesday night, does, does Stuart. They're going through a bit of a rough time, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, he's, he's another one of these with, with the, that comes on sounding quite chipper whilst talking down the club's chances. You know, you would expect them to sound miserable at that point, but he doesn't. He's predicting Latics to win 4-1 again. He's not in the best frame of mind, is he? I don't like that. This <laughs> is one massive banana skin. Do you know what? Usually I'd say, yeah, that's, it's probably not a good omen for us, but I don't think there's anybody we can't beat this season. And I, and I think I think with them being in the form that they're in, it's not going well for him, is it? I, I think we should, touch wood, get quite comfortable three points, though. Right then, should we have some ref watch? The referee on Tuesday will be Tom Reeves from Birmingham. Tom Reeves is in his debut season as a league ref. This will be his second Latics game. Ironically, his previous Latics game was our away visit to Crewe in the Papa John's Trophy back in October, where we lost 2-0 with Tilt, Kurt and Kieran Lloyd picking up yellow cards. He's a former PE teacher. He now works for Coventry City Community Trust as their Premier League sports manager. His card watch is... 27 games, 91 yellows, four reds and three penalty awards. That's Tom Reeves, who will be a referee against Crew on Tuesday night. Just to give you a bit of the previous then. We have met with Crew 35 times. We've won 17, six draws and 12 defeats. Our first meeting was on Boxing Day 1978. 
at Springfield Park. They won 1-0. Peter Orton scoring the goal in front of 7,586 fans. Four of our last five meetings have been away at Grassy Road. In fact, only two of the last eight meetings with crew have been played in Wigan, which we won both off. Last season, 2-0 win. And then we won 1-0 in August 2015. Our last home defeat to Crew was in March 2004. Again, our last meeting was earlier this season away. Uh, that was in the Papa John's Trophy. The 2-0 defeat. Crew's form at the minute, so they're currently 23rd in the league. They've taken 22 points from 31 games and they've lost all five of the last five. 16 away games so far from this season. They've taken one win, 2-1 against Markham. That was on the 29th of December. They've drawn three times. All three games finished 1-1. It's against Shrewsbury, Rotherham and Plymouth. They've scored 11 goals and they've had 31 goals scoring against them. That makes it the worst record in the division this year. Well, when you look at two of those draws, Rotherham and Plymouth away, you think, oh, that's that's uh, it's good going, really. But when you think that they've, they came in August, September, you know, they've done nothing of late. Stuart picked out Tommy Lowry as the best player, but he's not played, not been playing so much. Uh, he's out of contract in summer, so whether he plays or not on uh, out on Tuesday is another matter. He's got three goals and two assists. 24-year-old midfielder, very good. And also, Mikel Mandarin is a top scorer, former Latics player. He's got six goals, but he's not very good either. As for predictions, I'm going to go with Stuart, actually, and I'm going to go for a 4-1 Wigan Athletic win. This is the uh, before the Lord Mayor's show, isn't it? For the game on Friday. I'm going to go with us being 3-0 up at half-time. Totally relaxed second half. Players being taken off to rest them for Friday. I'll go with finishing 3-0 as well. So the second half, just not a lot happens. That's not a bad shout, that actually, to be fair. I would agree that we'll finish 3-0. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think we'll come out of the blocks and try and get the, the game finished as early as possible. Good shout, that. Good shout. I'm under strict orders to mention that my daughter got the prediction spot on yesterday with Stevie Humphreys coming on and scoring the winner. Well done, Rachel. Big show tonight. <laughs> Rotherham, nine points clear, as Emma said earlier on now, but we've got three games in hand. What will be, will be. If we look forward to Tuesday, there's a, a couple of games. Well, there's three games taking place on Tuesday and one on Wednesday. The, the midweek fixtures are Burton v Bolton, Lincoln City v Doncaster Rovers, and we've got Crew at home. And then on the Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday meet Accrington Stanley. So we're very positive. Podcast is bouncing. We've we've all got smiles on our faces. It's surprising what a win does, doesn't it? Coming off the back of a draw and a, and a defeat. But there you go. So we'll be back on Wednesday to click back on the crew game and look forward to the top of the table clash on Friday. So thank you for joining us, Emma. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Stuart Price from the Railway Women podcast for his for his input. So it's a it's a goodbye from me and a up the ticks. Ticks. Up the Come, on. Come on. Come on.